and a mouse keep running, running, and 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 running, running, Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 217 of the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. I'm Jim, and I'm going to be talking about four books in this episode, and we're going to have some Star Wars stuff as well as Thor and Immortal Hulk. But before we get into that, let me tell you where you can find us all around the internets. We're on Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. As I say every single time you follow us, we'll follow you back. I think that that is the right thing to do we have a website weird science marvel comics.com where we review almost all of the marvel comics each and every week also have news and previews and articles and things like that and we also have a patreon account patreon.com slash weird science where you can go and support us for all the things we do here on the podcast also the website and things like that as well as then Get a ton of other shows, a bunch of other shows that are only available on the Patreon, including a Marvel Spotlight that we do each and every week. It looks like this week's Spotlight is going to end up being Juggernaut and Fantastic Four Antithesis. We'll see if that ends up being the case. But if you wanted to listen to our Spotlight that comes out Wednesday night... You'd have to go to the Patreon. I also have a Marvel Events podcast. I have a Marvel Back Issues podcast where I talk about older issues, things like that, news, solicits podcasts, all that sort of stuff. But I'll remind everybody as well that the main podcast from now on on the regular feed will be coming out Wednesday night, and it will include all of the current week's new books. So the books come out on Wednesday. And then me and Brandon will be talking about them a Wednesday night. So that will keep things a little more relevant. And we're going to do a bunch more books than we have been doing because having it Wednesday night allows me to have a little more time to record some more things. And that's another thing that I've been wanting to do for a while. I'll also still have the separate X-Men podcast on the weekend. So we'll get almost all of the books each week taken care of. But again, we're going to have to catch up to do that, though. I wanted to end up getting all of last week's books taken care of before we hit this new deal on Wednesday. So I'll be doing this podcast right now. And then tomorrow, which is Tuesday, the 22nd, I'll be doing a other Marvel X-Men podcast with four x-men books as well so i hope that you like everything there i hope that you like listening to it and then wednesday we kick off the new era the new era of weird science marvel comics we'll see how that goes but we're going to go off now to talk some books and we're going to start with some star wars books and we're going to start it all off with star wars number six the destiny path part six Charles Soule writing, Jesus Saez on art, Jesus Saez and Arif Priano on colors, and VCs Clayton Cowles on letters. And here is the crawl. Luke Skywalker recently lost his lightsaber in a duel with Darth Vader. The Dark Lord revealed that he is actually Luke's father, the former Jedi Anakin Skywalker. Luke fled instead of joining his father on the dark side of the Force. 
Remember, this book is taking place between Empire Strikes Back, which obviously that scene is from, and before Return of the Jedi. Luke is more determined than ever to become a Jedi despite the shocking revelation. Visions of a mysterious woman guide Luke to the planet Cerelia, but instead of answers, Luke is ensnared in a deadly trap. And you have had this going on where Luke losing his lightsaber is a little pissed off. He thinks that the force kind of left him behind at a bit, but he is getting inspired again. He's getting fired up. He has a vision of a woman with a lightsaber. He goes off to this planet, Cerelia, after trying to figure out where exactly it is. He lands. He meets this woman, Verla, and then she puts him in a trap. She puts him in a pit that then fills with water. Which the irony of a kid growing up trying to eke out an existence by gathering dew now will die drowning. Oh, the irony. But that's not going to happen. I I don't know if you realize this, but Luke is not going to die. Though he may die for a second, but he ends up being saved by R2-D2. Goes over, zaps Avirla, she gets knocked out unconscious, and then R2-D2 goes over to the cliff face and presses the not-so-secret hidden panel that then ends up draining the water from the pit. Luke is there, and you end up having R2 go over to him and zap him back to life. I can only imagine that he's heading, like, he's almost there sitting next to Obi-Wan in the, you know, the afterlife where then him and Obi-Wan can then start to push people direct. So, like, go to Leia. Hey, Leia, I want you to go here. Hey, Leia, go there. You know how Obi-Wan was doing to Luke. And then just pop up now and again just for encouragement. They're kind of like, you know, the hype men of the whole Star Wars universe. It's the flavor flave of the Star Wars universe. But you end up having Luke then tie up Verla just so he can make sure she's not going to do stupid things again, like put him in another pit. And when she wakes up, she says, oh, you waited for me to wake up to kill me. You really are Vader's son. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just Luke. My name's Luke here. And I had a vision I want to find a lightsaber, and it seemed to say to come to you. What is your deal? And she says, I don't want anything to do with any Jedi. I don't want a Jedi, Sith. You're all the same. You're nonsense. I don't want in any of those clubs. You can go do what you want. Keep me out of it. And he's like, well, what's going on? Like, what what's going on about all of this? And she explains that she was training to be a Jedi. She ended up being under the Master Farron Bar, who told her a lot of stuff about Anakin Skywalker, hero of the Clone Wars, a great Jedi, and then was changed. Something changed. He became Vader. All of this stuff that we know, but she knows as well. And she goes on to say part of her training ended up sending, you know, Farron Bar sent her to a old Republic outpost where there was a lightsaber, some holocrons, a lot of artifacts, but it was a trap. It's like Admiral Akbar just wasn't there yet. We're not at Return of the Jedi for his famous line, so nobody was there to tell Verla, it's a trap. So she went, but with that, she also was hunted down by the Inquisitors, the whole Order 66 stuff, and, and at points even had to escape Darth Vader, which shows you that she's pretty tough, or at least runs real fast. But the thing is, you end up living after Darth Vader chases you, 
that is you're one of the few but also you probably pooped your pants so i think that she wants luke to buy her new pants that that's just me on the side deal but she ends up saying i'm done uh, you know and this explains when luke shows up and starts talking jedi stuff she freaks out she thought that she she's just there fishing I don't want any parts of this. I'm going to be a fisherman. You should be a fisherman too, Luke. You know, maybe I could teach you. I know you didn't have a lot of fish there on on Tatooine, but hey. So he ends up, no, no, no. I'm going to go. I'm going to go to this outpost. And she says, it's haunted. There is something there. There is something protecting it. It's not good. it's, It's just this crazy deal. It's the Sith. It's all this nonsense. Don't go. And he says, no, I'm going to go. He's He's not going to listen. He is not going to listen at all. So she says, okay, I'll tell you where it is. But here, one condition. You lose my number. I don't ever want to see you again. Never put my name on your lips. I don't ever want any parts. And it's kind of a funny way to explain why. Why haven't we seen anything with Virla later? No, it's because yeah, you got to forget about it. And she agrees. Shakes hands. Off they go. And she says, I ran from that temple. I ran fast uh you should too no he's gonna go they go off to the outer rim in tempest where you go up to the temple and it's locked and it's one of those where you have something that you're gonna do and you're you're kind of you know scared a little and you go you have a friend with you and you go and oh the door is locked and the friend's like let's get the hell out of here that's the in or out of leaving that's r2 it's like i know you don't want to go in r2 but maybe I can use the force to open the door. And this is one of those things where this is definitely forced. How dare right? you? It's definitely because the door's locked. Luke just puts up his hand and it opens. I don't even really know. I guess you need this scene because it does activate everything going on in the temple. It, it just ended up seeing force. Like I said, not even trying to make a joke or a pun here, right? You know? <laughs> But he ends up going in, and yeah, you see a lot of things. And you also see that this place has been in ruin, but you see a lightsaber as the main deal. And Luke goes over and grabs it. And I've loved these books because of the connection. The Star Wars books right now going on, Charles Sewell, Greg Pak, especially with the Darth Vader book in this book. Well, this is also pretty cool. This whole scene is going to be pretty cool because it ties into... Two cool things, one of them from the cartoon universe, one of them from the action figures, because when Luke grabs the lightsaber, he turns it on, ignites it, and it is yellow. And if you know Star Wars, you'll know that by the time we get to the Return of the Jedi, Luke will have made his own green lightsaber, and he had already lost his father's blue one. So you have yellow, and while... The expanded universe is not fully canon anymore now that Disney took over. You still have that stuff out there, and it's fun to play around with some stuff like that. So what this does, and also these books now being canon, you know, make things, boom, they're there. So with this yellow lightsaber, you end up, if you look it up, the yellow lightsaber in the Clone Wars cartoon, that is Jedi Temple Guard. Also, in the main scheme of things in the expanded universe, that's also a Jedi Sentinel. You know, you can go with that. It's pretty cool. But the real cool thing about this is, is this yellow lightsaber makes canon a Kenner toys mistake. Because when you ended up having the action figures come out in 1977 for what was then Star Wars Becomes New Hope, you end up with the Luke Skywalker figure had a yellow lightsaber. 
And I remember when when I got my figure, I didn't think anything of it. And I don't think that many people did at that point. I'm just a little kid. And I'm like, look at that. And if anything, I would have thought, well, maybe the lightsabers change color like mood rocks or something. You know, you got your mood ring. Oh, I'm angry. It's red. Oh, I'm I'm kind of chilling, relaxing. That's blue. Maybe, maybe green. Green means go and yellow. Ooh, I'm cautious. I don't know. It, it was stuff that weird stuff went through my head back in the day. But you have that mistake that Kenner made because they were just throwing things out there. They, they, they probably had more yellow dye to, to put in than they did the whole blue. So they go with that. You had that yellow lightsaber, which is kind of funny. But now there it is. He has a yellow lightsaber, which is really cool. But another thing that's cool going into the cartoon universe is he's, he's attacked by the ghost that Virla had said was guarding this temple and it's the ghost of the grand inquisitor from the star wars rebels season one and if you did see that or didn't this guy ended up failing darth vader by setting off a reactor explosion by losing his lightsaber and then ended up deciding to throw himself into the flames instead of facing darth vader with the last line saying you know there are things far worse than death Meaning at that point, I'd rather just die than face that Darth Vader. Because as I told you earlier, if you survive that, you poop your pants. Nobody wants to do that, especially an adult. You don't want to be a grand inquisitor as known as pooping his pants. So he ended up pretty much committing suicide. Well, we see that he is still around. He is a ghost. He's still on fire. He, I mean, really, when I think that you die, you're going to become your sexiest self, right? This guy ends up just reliving that last moment. He is a ghost that's on fire. And so he attacks. He ends up going as a dual lightsaber. Pretty cool. He ends up attacking Luke. And they fight. And they go on. He's talking trash to Luke. But at the end, you realize that, you know, he knows that Luke is pretty powerful. But at this point, he's like, you know, who who even trained you? Because you stink. And they're fighting it out. Well, while this is going on, you do go back to... Darth Vader, who gets word that, or at least senses that there is a disturbance, there is a thing going on in the Outer Rim on Tempest at this whole outpost that seems to be a trap set up for, you know, some Jedi who might be hiding, didn't get taken down by Order 66, so they may want to end up going off to that temple, so he goes off to see what is going on, and Luke pretty much ends up killing, quote-unquote, killing the Grand Inquisitor, and then goes off. He has the lightsaber, he leaves. Well, Vader shows up a little bit too late, and the ghost of the Grand Inquisitor is no light. It's a ghost, and this is where you can really see, even if you didn't know who it was, that something's going on, because Luke cuts up his hand and slices him in half. Now he's back to just flaming ghosts, and Darth Vader, again, must be like, really? Grand Inquisitor? I mean, you keep failing me, you jerk. But you end up having the Grand Inquisitor say, and and, in the worst timing of this, like, hey, uh, Darth Vader, I know that I just failed you again and and really, you know, had some problems there. But is there any way you can free me? Can you release me from this? Because this stinks. No. He's like, you are but a tool shaped to serve my purposes. You will continue And as he disappears in flame, says, there are worse things than death. So that, again, a bit ironic where he said that originally. Well, now he is stuck 
in this afterlife. And again, this shows you, though, that Darth Vader at this point, he can do some, you know, things. He can do the old whammy. He's still dealing with the idea of resurrecting the idea of the mystic deal of the Sith and stuff to be able to make this Grand Inquisitor this guardian from beyond here that's pretty cool and really cool things tying into a bunch of stuff so luke goes back meets up with the rebel fleet fourth division where leia is trying to talk to them and trying to convince all of these guys and gals and aliens and whatnot you know you got to keep your chin up we we have hope here you know we may be able to do this let's we'll escape the rebellion's still strong and then goes off and it's like, we are screwed. But when Luke shows up, she's like, oh, my, she's smiling. Oh, Luke, you're back. Oh, man, where were you? Ah, I had to do some Jedi things. You know us Jedis. We go off and do weird things. But I ended up getting something pretty cool. And this is where Leia says, well, can you go and show it to all the people? I mean, everybody's down. We're all depressed here. Everybody thinks that this is not going to work. Can you please inspire us? And Luke says, sure. And lights up the yellow lightsaber. And I'm looking at the people looking at it, like Lando, C-3PO. You have Chewbacca. You have Dr. Aphra's parents. You have all these things going on there. And I'm like, if this was me, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I mean, but what does that do for us? We're on the run. We're being decimated. And you want me to just look at this lightsaber? Pretty much, If really, if that was me, I'd say, okay, well, now you got more people because Darth Vader's never going to stop now. This is nonsense. This is Jedi stuff. I'm done. But yeah, everybody's kind of, some are, are smiling. Some aren't. Admiral Akbar's in the back thinking it's a trap. That's all he ever thinks. He's got a one-track mind, that guy, or a one-trap mind, right? <laughs> but yeah, it ends. And, and with the whole tying into the Star Wars Rebels, the Kenner you know, action. It's really cool. I love that stuff. And the stuff is there for if you know it, you, you get a good smile on your face and like it. But even without that, it's still cool. You end up having then Luke fighting a Jedi Inquisitor ghost. He ends up getting the lightsaber. All this stuff going on is really neat and why I continue to like and and love this book. This Star Wars book is really good. At points, I I get a little thrown off by some comments in the voice of Luke, but it ends up, the more I read it, the more I read one issue, I end up kind of settling in with it. But overall, the art looks great. Jesus Saez does a great job. And and that last page where you have Luke kind of inspiring them, uh, you know, the characters look great. They look spot on, which is one of the things that you do need when you end up having you know, a licensed thing like this. And it is, it's spot on. So I suggest if you have any interest in Star Wars, you should go and read this. But I'm going to go off to a book that for the most part, I've actually liked even more than the Star Wars deal. It's the Star Wars Darth Vader book. And before I go into Darth Vader, I realized I didn't give a score for Star Wars. And so I will right now. Star Wars number six, nine out of ten. Take that, suckers. Nine out of ten. And we're going to go to Darth Vader now. And it is Star Wars Darth Vader number five, Dark Heart of the Sith, part five, written by Greg Pak, art by Raphael Aenko, colors by Naraj Menon, and letters by VCs Joe Caramanga. Darth Vader revealed the truth. He is Luke Skywalker's father, but Luke refused Vader's call to the dark side. Left him hanging, really. And he left Darth hanging. That's why he's so pissed. Of the Force and escape. In rage, Vader has taken a squad of death troopers and the Imperial forensics droid Z67, 
on a quest of revenge against everyone who hid Luke from him. Wait till he finds out about Leia. Vader's new ally, Queen Amidala's former handmaiden, Sabe, was sworn a vengeance of her own against her queen's killers. But Sabe betrayed Vader, believing the Dark Lord to be Padme's killer. Vader battled Sabe and her followers on Naboo before Padme's grave. And we end up at Padme's grave. And this seems to be maybe the end of this arc or will continue a little later with it going on. But as a kind of stop where at the end, you do end up having Vader go back to the Emperor. Oh, my Lord, I, I'm done with my stupid quest. Why? Uh, it, it's a little lackluster. It's not the ending I was hoping for, at least at this point. You have Vader. He's looking at the grave. He is going to open it up as you have Sabe. No, no, don't desecrate it. He stops as he thinks of Amidala. And this is something where it has been getting to him. This is a conflicted Darth Vader. This is a Darth Vader who does seem to still have some good in him, especially dealing with, you know, Amidala trying to figure out. What's going on? And the quest is, who hid my son? Who hid this son, Luke Skywalker, from me? Even though he kept that last name. But uh, the thing is, while he's going through this, the love of Amidala, the love that he had is creeping on back. It's creeping on back in, and it's it's throwing him a bit. So he kind of goes back from the grave then. Where then you have Z six seven like oh yeah and and Z six seven is always taking cues the wrong way from Darth Vader where he thinks Darth Vader pure evil he thinks but when Darth Vader ends up like going back from this because he doesn't want to desecrate the grave either and also in my mind he doesn't he doesn't want to see the dead body of you know his wife his lover here so he ends up going back and there's Z six seven very smart Vader. You know, you don't want to destroy the site and potentially destroy evidence. Like, he's always going with the idea that Vader has these ulterior motives that aren't really there. He doesn't realize. So, with this, you end up having Z67 scan the grave. And in a forced way, because we are going to get to Polis Massa, where Luke and Leia were born, where Amidala ended up going from Obi-Wan to give birth to the twins. So we, to get there, we just end up with Z67. All right, there was a med implant. It had a stamp. It's traceable. Here we go. And so as Vader and Z67 and the Death Troopers are heading off to Polis Massa, you end up Darth Vader where the you end up having Sabe go and she calls out to the Amidalas and it's a it's a cool deal. There's a group there that is trying to track down and take care of the killers of Amidala. They call themselves the Amidalas. You have a lot of her handmaidens involved and others as well. So you end up having her on the comm. Everybody, we, we have to go to Polis Massa. He knows. He knows that, that I'm still in the Shonies. Like, she's yelling it out there where you end up having Z67 hear this and say to one of the death troopers, yeah, kill her. I mean, she can't do this. It's going to reveal all of our plans. Well, Darth ends up saving Sabe by using the force and ripping the rifle, the laser rifle, out of the death trooper's hands before it can kill Sabe and says, hey, Sabe, yeah. Yeah, tell all your nonsense people, you know, all your Amadellas, tell them, I'll meet you there. I'm going to get there first, but 
you know, meet me there and we'll have the show now. We'll end up ending this one way or the other. So you do end up having Darth Vader and the Death Troopers. And and one of the things is, as this is going on, I always seem to forget about the Death Troopers until they end up showing up again. And it happened again, even in the scene, even though I just saw them there at the gravesite. When we go off the Polis Massa, you have a big deal where Darth is setting up a trap for the Amidalas that involve the Death Troopers using some laser cannons that are still functioning on the outpost. And this is a pretty cool outpost where you did have Luke and Leia born. You also have this as an outpost that was used by Jedi when the Order 66 came down. This was kind of a safe haven at one point, but it's pretty much, you know, destroyed right now. And when you have Darth Vader going back and going to Polis Massa, he's remembering Amidala going off with Obi-Wan. Then he's remembering Obi-Wan and him having their big battle on Amasafar and all of these things going on. You know, you were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. All of this stuff going through his head as he is there fighting off the Amidalas, but also going and getting some of the remaining records, some video even of Amidala from back in the day. But really, Darth Vader's just going ham on all the Amidalas. They end up showing up in ships. They're firing at him. He's deflecting all this shit. And just having spaceships firing on Darth Vader as he's just deflecting it with the lightsaber and bringing these ships down is cool. But he's also set up the Death Troopers are in these laser cannons. And it's kind of like, we'll draw all of the ships over to Darth Vader. Then on the other side, we'll flank them with these laser cannons, destroy them all. You end up having the Amidalas even get to the ground and start running to attack Darth Vader, where he just brings down ships on top of them. I mean, they are all just getting decimated. So in one of the the ideas to me, it's we're going to get rid of this whole Amidala sex so they don't come up later But he's just ripping them Apart as again him And Z67 are trying to figure out You know maybe where Luke went Where it was hit but it kind of ends Like I said in a weird way And a weird way is just that There again Darth sees some Things that end up triggering memories Give him the feels Showing that he is still uh, You know a feeling guy who's Mostly machine and just will kill anybody at the drop of a dime. But he does have a little bit of a heart left for Amidala. He seems to get triggered again by Obi-Wan and seeing all that stuff as well. But he ends up seeing the video. They end up being able to find, after he just destroys the Amidalas, he goes back in and they go and they find this midwife droid that ended up helping, you know, birth the twins and i thought oh my god this is where he's gonna see a lot of things you know he's really gonna get but what it ends up happening is he sees you know there's amadala she's laying there she's gonna give birth and she says obi-wan and that's where z67 goes a little doesn't go a little too far but doesn't realize what triggers darth what is going to make him mad and he says oh man there's that name again, Obi-Wan. I guess this Amidala really liked him. And then Z67 gets sliced in half. Z67 is done. <laughs> just destroyed. So it does seem like this ending is just like, okay, we're, we're done with this stuff. So let's just destroy the Amidala, Z67. Well, you do end up then with, you know, the thing going where 
Amidala says, I, I still love him and I know there's good in him. I know there's still good in him. And there's Darth just standing over Zed six seven sliced in half. He's thinking of Luke falling down into the Cloud City, where then he sees himself as falling. Then Amidala, then a young Anakin himself. So all these things of, you know, what happened to me? What the hell happened? I really went down the wrong path here, and it led to everybody I love being killed. So you have all this going on. And yeah, he goes back to Coruscant. He goes back to the Emperor, who then says, Hey, just settle your business. He's done with your nonsense. And you have Darth, yes, master. And he's like, Okay, well, that's good. And I don't believe you. And really, you have to remember if you're not aware, uh, you know, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to strength. But you kind of just sitting here as a sad sack, you're wallowing in your grief. I think we need to start over, and uh, we start over. Let's go back to that fear, and all of a sudden he's, you know, the crackling lightning from his hand starts. We're going to go with fear, and then you have the next issue, Darth Vader's final lesson, Palpatine's punishment, and I think that this is Greg Pak going, well, you know, there's Darth. He's looking into Padme, Amidala. He's looking into Luke, what happened with my son and all that. But we got to get back to the very angry, very bad Darth Vader, though this does set up the the turn in Return of the Jedi. The idea that he ends up seeing Amidala, the love of his life, saying, I know there's still good in him, that will then be echoed by Luke in Return of the Jedi. So you get that set up, and I think that's a really cool thing to do. I think that's a really smart clever deal seeing this progression and then getting back you got to get back to the vaders you know ready to kick ass and take names but with all of that it just does kind of end some things very quickly in in five issues where i've really enjoyed it to just be like okay we're heading off to Palos Massa. We're going to get rid of the Amidalas. I'm going to cut old Z67 in half and then go back to the emperor it's a little bit of a forced ending right oh my anakin i'm not an angel but i i liked it enough but i wanted more i thought that we would get more of an ending at least at this point like i said we'll see how it goes but i think that this is emperor let's do some shock therapy on darth vader get him out of this you know grief he's going get him pissed off let's go to return of the jedi so with that i'm gonna give it a seven out of ten i think the art's great and really the ending i even showed my wife and youngest son, the deal of Palpatine sitting there. I'm going to start again with fear. It's like the greatest thing, but also the ugliest thing. It is. It, it, it looks into your soul. It does. But I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. And now I'm going to move on to the Immortal Hulk. And the Immortal Hulk number thirty-seven is written by Al Ewing, pencils by Joe Bennett, Roy Jose, and Baladino Brabo on inks, colors by Paul Mounts, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And this is a leader issue. It has been leading up to this, right? This is a, a pun-filled episode, I believe. Aren't we having a lot of pun? Hey! And you see that the leader is, you know, due diligence, homework, and he has a plan. He has a plan on controlling 
just about everyone using the green door, showing the red door, and all that stuff. I'm telling you, the green door stuff still it makes my head spin. Whenever we go to the below place, I end up like, oh, my God, I don't have the attention span for this or the intelligence. I'm not a smart man. So you end up this with, you know, a little flashback showing some stuff from the leaders past, things like that, and seeing how he's coming in and out of the green door, how he's affecting a lot of stuff. But you also then end up in shadow base site G and see how old Doc Samson ends up getting attacked and killed. So you have all of these things going on where, like I said, you end up seeing that the leader is pretty much controlling everybody from the below place to end up getting the people he wants so then he can control him as well. And he ends up getting Doc Samson who dies and goes to the below place. And you end up having the leader looking really ugly, looking like the Mars attacks Mars aliens right here and says, yeah, you know, I, I, you're pretty different there, Doc Sampson. You know, Leonard, you're, you're pretty crazy. You do resurrect very quickly. I've been timing it. He's a guy of stats and he, he loves that. So he's like, yeah, I've been timing it. You're a cool subject. All these things. I'm learning a lot from you, but there's still a lot that I want to know and ends up going through the idea of who he is controlling. At this point, I have Rick Jones. I have Del Fry, who ended up killing uh, Samson right then to bring him down. So, you know, and I'm, well, I'm not going to tell you the third. The third is so cool. You're going to see something really neat. Uh, Where do you see this? You are going to love it. Well, you end up then going back to Iowa where and Georgeville, Iowa in particular, where you have the whole Gamma flight team attacking the Green Scar Hulk. You, you have the Absorbing Man ending up fighting him. You have all these things. Puck, he's shooting guns and, and missiles and things. While back in Shadow Base, you have Dr. McGowan wondering what the hell happened to, to Doc Sampson, trying to get him on the comms. Hey, Doc, are you around anywhere? <laughs> you know, paging Mr. Sampson, paging Mr. Sampson. It's not working, but she ends up realizing okay i can teleport some things back this is what ended up where you had the shadow base and dr mcgowan and samson they wanted to get the hulk out of this situation and rick jones but they couldn't they it ended up going gamma you end up having all these problems so they couldn't get it out well it clears but you can only teleport one person back at a time and so what you end up having to do, okay, Dr. McGowan's trying to figure it out. Do I get Rick Jones back here? Who, if you're reading this, she's not aware, but re- you know and already were told that he is fully under the control of the leader. And he just looks like a monstrosity. I, I just don't even like the look where he's all mangled up. He's like a, a Cthulhu monster type deal, but his head's upside down. That drives me nuts for some reason, but you end up, You know, having Jackie, the reporter, she's yelling, you know, don't hurt anybody, please. You know, we could talk the Hulk down from this. Hey there, Gamma Flight, you're nonsense. Let's try to get him. Like, there's no way. We're not talking anybody down. We have to do things. We have to make things right. Well, when you have Dr. McGowan back at Shadowbase trying to figure out who to bring back, and you have a pretty cool thing where you have just a close up of the panel recall Banner, recall Jones. And she's like, 
A, B, C, one, two, three. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, And she does find uh, or comes to the conclusion, okay, well, all hell's breaking loose there. There is gamma flight guns ablazing, you know, absorbing men, going nuts, all this stuff. Rick Jones can die, but the Hulk's immortal, right? The Hulk is immortal. So I'm going to bring back Rick first. She says Rick first has to be the Hulk's immortal. He can survive another minute, right? Wink, wink. Well, the thing is, as this is going on, Rick Jones does teleport out back to Shadow Base, which then gets the leader there as well. But he's already there with Fry, too. But he's like, all right, this is great because this is his plan. When he ends up where Rick Jones gets teleported out, you end up getting the Hulk shot by Puck just right through him and he dies and goes to the underneath, the down below. And now he is controlled and taken over by the leader. This was his plan. This is what he said earlier when he was, you know, talking trash to Doc Sampson. Hey, you know, I have Fry, I got Rick Jones, and well, well, we'll leave that for later. And you do see him morphing there as the leader in a full black patriot, just the dead Hulk and the now big green scar Hulk leader deal. And it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. I, I did. This is one of those issues. And it's one of those things with this Hulk run. First off, it's just one long story. So if you aren't reading and you're like, ah, you know, that sounds pretty crazy. Uh, you, you really should start at issue number one. There's not a great jumping on point. Now, just to throw shade, I'll tell you, skip that 25. And I know that people get mad at that with the whole Immortal Hulk number 25 because it seems to be like a badge of honor in my mind. If you're a fan of this series and you like that number 25, then you are a super fan. I ain't no super fan. That 25 was nonsense. It threw me off. It made me drop the book for a while, but I'm glad I came back to it. Because it is good, a long-running story, now seeing that the leader is putting all the pieces into play to control everything. This run going to what Joe Bennett said at a point to issue 50. So we still have a while to go, but it is getting towards a big ending. So I really like it. Joe Bennett's art's great. It's very colorful. This is one of those books where if I read on my tablet, it really pops the greens and just the fluorescent green and stuff really goes well. But yeah, I liked it. I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. And it's one of those, each time I read it, I like it a little more. Even though it's one of those books that as a reviewer, and especially here on a podcast, it, it does tend to be a hard book to describe and talk about because everything ties into everything else. It's hard to just sit and talk about one issue and make sense so i hope that i did you know it justice enough but i do like it i think that you should check it out and now i'm going to go off to the last book of the podcast last book of this one here which is a big book and a book that i wasn't as big on as some people and then you get to this issue which is kind of a cool down issue i'm talking about thor by the way uh, and you get to this cooldown deal where I see a lot of people who are gung-ho about it through the first six issues. You had the Thor Herald of Galactus deal. Well, now when you get to this and it's a cooldown deal, people are like, I didn't like this as much. This was nonsense. This is but we're going to go off. It is Thor number seven. And Thor number seven is Hammerfall part one of two written by Donnie Cates 
with guest art by Aaron Cooter coming in for this two-issue arc, colors by Matt Wilson and letters and designed by VCs Joe Sabino. Thor is the god of thunder and all-father of Asgard. In his recent battles, the most significant of which saw Thor kill Galactus and then incorporate his ancient armor into the architecture of Asgard to house refugees of worlds Galactus had devoured, the all-father has noticed a strange heaviness in his hammer, Molnir. And the problem is worse than he knows, for while Molnir grows heavy for Thor, it becomes lighter for everyone else, even his brother Loki, has held the hammer now. And that's one of the things coming into this series, you end up having the big deal with Galactus. It was one where you kind of get thrown in, you get some big things. And for people who have been fans of Thor, it's awesome. You know, you end up, you know, all about Thor, you're ready to go. I am one of those newer readers who really want to grab onto Thor, want to be shown how awesome Thor is. And yeah, awesome being the Herald of Galactus ends up killing Galactus, all that stuff. But I needed more of a feel for Donnie Cates' version of Thor. And I will tell you, even in this issue, you do go back and have a little bit of a recap of Donnie Cates' Guardians of the Galaxy, which I was not that fond of. You end up having a lot of Donnie Cates' books just kind of going into this Donnie Cates' universe that he's making and every book ends up having these characters show up the same deal you end up not necessarily dealing with the actual property that he's writing but his bigger universe deal the guardians of the galaxy kind of tying up a lot of his thanos stuff was there and i just wanted a fun guardians of the galaxy book which is also one of the reasons why i'm not really that down with al ewing's run either i don't know these things some things are just not for everybody but that doesn't have to do with thor because we start out with this issue with a cool cover too i wanted to mention the cover where you end up having a bunch of characters hands trying to pick up the hammer but then also a little tiny ant man going down he ain't gonna pick it up it'd be funny But you end up with this idea that going into this, the unworthy Thor, the Thor who can't pick up the hammer. You know, we've had so much of that that I was like, oh, we're doing that. But it's it's a little different. And this issue does show the differences a little more and pretty much is like, okay, it's not just the problem with the hammer with Thor. There's a whole bunch of things going on here that are intriguing and you end up having a scene in this issue with Thor and Beta Ray Bill that does give me that voice, does give me what I've been wanting. And maybe that was the thing. Maybe I needed a cool down issue to kind of get my place in the whole Thor deal of Donny Cates and go forward because I really did like this issue. I really did. You start off with the hammer crashing in a, a very familiar place for people who do know Thor and all. It's Broxton, Oklahoma, which if you are looking at this list, it's spoiler alert, we're going to have a Donald Blake deal coming up. And this seems to be setting that up, especially with the hammer falling in Broxton, Oklahoma. Well, you end up with a character, Adam Aziz, who is a mechanic. He's working on a truck as the hammer hits. He hears the explosion. It's one like not again. I mean, Broxton, they're used to this. This is like one of those things like, here we go. It's a, a, Other places have to worry about tornadoes. And uh, now they have to worry about falling Molniers. And it does hit. One of the things that makes me laugh is the idea that 
you want to show this Adam Aziz as not just a, you know, a great guy, whatever. He, this is a guy who's gone to federal prison for aggravated assault and armed robbery. But now that he's back in his hometown of Broxton, he took over his father's whole, uh, you know, auto repair shop. He's a mechanic who does repairs for people who can't afford to go to the other mechanics, which in my mind put all those other mechanics out of business. So why would you go to anybody else? Unless you needed something quick. I'm sure there's a ton. Now, with that, you see that the people at Broxton, they must not be taking full advantage of this because there's not a ton of cars there at Adams Auto. But still, my car'd be there. I know. He's like, but but Mr. Werner, you're a millionaire. I'm like, how do you think I got so rich? Now shut your mouth and fix my car. Fix my Pinto, please. And so the hammer falls, and you end up having Adam go over to check it out. He walks over. There's the big crater there. He drives out. He goes. And it's a really cool way that Adam Cooter does the whole – or Aaron Cooter. I'm sorry. I'm mixing up with Adam Aziz. You end up having a cool way of the art because you end up having him look at the hammer. Adam Aziz looks. He's like, huh. And then we shift focus from behind the hammer What he sees something – going on also you see that with his knuckle tattoos adam is definitely definitely a fan of lucky charms he has the lucky charms marshmallows i don't care if it means that it means the lucky charms marshmallows to me and i do like myself some lucky charms marshmallows at one point I did, you know, everybody thinks, I mean, when, when you're sitting there thinking of, you know, crazy things in your mind, like wishes and dreams, you know, you, you, you sit there my dreams. and think, okay, world peace. Yes. You know, that'd be great. Uh, everybody getting along, you know, uh, being a, one of the things I said, boy, I'd love a huge bowl of just those lucky charms marshmallows. And I know everybody's thought of this. Everybody has thought, and, and you've, you've been sitting there dying. To eat that bowl of Lucky Charms marshmallows. Let me tell you, as a person who has eaten a huge bowl of Lucky Charms marshmallows, I ended up being able to do this at a buffet that actually just for some reason had a mixture deal where you had one thing full of marshmallows and the other with the cereal. I'm like, screw that cereal. This is the buffet of my dreams. It is. And I ended up. That's kind of a joke, having a huge bowl of Lucky Charms marshmallows. I was dying to, to eat that, and then I was dying from the sugar rush that I got and really ended up being one of the worst eating experiences ever. And It's one of those where it's like you don't want to meet your heroes. You don't want to eat the bowl of Lucky Charms marshmallows. You end up realizing it's not what you thought it would be. It's not as good, and it just really – a piece of my heart left that day and, and just went up into the sky and disappeared. I, I had, I, I was the opposite of the Grinch. My, my heart actually shrunk that day, realizing that one of my dreams was nonsense. Just like when my dad told me my dream of being an archaeologist, nonsense. I lost a bit of my heart that day as well. But you end up having Adam look at this, you know, hammer, look at Molnir. And he picks up his phone and calls a number. And he says, uh, hello, yeah, my name. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I, I'm Aziz, Adam Aziz. I'm from Broxton. Yep, yep, Oklahoma. I think you better come here. And so you don't really know exactly what's going on at that point. As we go off to Asgard and you have Lady Sif talking to Thor. Thor does not quite understand cell phone technology 
he ends up using the crows to do that. And Lady Sis, like, you know, on Midgard, they have this thing, you know, these rectangle things you can talk through. They're pretty cool. You should get them because, uh, unfortunately, the cell phones don't shit on your shoulder while you're talking, right? That's what they don't the do. Definition of pain and, suffering. and so they're talking about all this and talking about what they are going to do, what things, you know, and, and we ended up having some problems between Thor and Lady Sif and Bayeray Bill in the whole Galactus deal going on. So we find out that one thing, while Thor is going to talk to Beta Ray Bill, he needs Lady Sif to kind of keep an eye on the hammer Midgard. Let me know what's happening. Give me your eyes through my eyes, all that sort of thing. Keep me informed. And he goes to talk to Beta Ray Bill, and they've had this issue. Well, Thor ends up wanting to know some things he wants to know pretty much give me a little recap of that donny kate's guardians of the galaxy book because i know that all of you were gathered around to try to find out about thanos maybe become thanos all these things see who thanos ended up going into all that and beta ray bill does explain it now this all goes from last issue's cliffhanger where thor did see the future and the future You know, it was so bright for Thanos, he probably does have to wear shades. But for everybody else, it's just destruction because it looks like Thanos ends up with what I'd call the Infinity Hammer Mjolnir with all of the Infinity Stones attached with everybody dying as zombies behind him. He saw that vision. He wants to know about Thanos. He wants to know about what happened in the Guardians of the Galaxy. And we do find out, yeah, you know. He ended up dying. He ended up going into his brother Eros, uh, you know, the Black Order, all these people there grabbing all the body parts, bringing it back. We ended up having simple Thanos, but then goes off and we haven't seen much of him since. So I like simple Thanos. I I want more of simple Thanos is what I need him to say. You know, hey there, you make my eyes rain. Like a Thanos saying that would be hilarious, right? It'd be so good. Well, we end up with this where you end up with Thor saying, okay, now that you gave me that information, I kind of want you to be my second in command. I want you to be my next in line here because if something happens to me, not only if I die, you take over, but more of the line of if I end up going over the line, if I end up being controlled because something's wrong with Mjolnir, something's wrong here, there's things going bad, so I need you to even watch me. And if something goes bad, you take care of me. Well, with that, you end up wanting, you know, Beta Ray Bill needs a, a hammer. His hammer got shattered by Thor. So he's like, you ruined my hammer. So I need, you know, another hammer. I need something. And, he's, and Thor's like, all right, let's go to the armory. Let's see. We can have something built for you or we can grab something. And they go in all the big weapons there. And, you know, there's some big fan service dealers for going. But there's one missing. And the missing one is Molnir, where you end up having Beta Ray Bill, like, Where's Molnir? And that's where we find out what is going on with the hammer. And Tony Stark is who was called because when Adam looked at the hammer, it said, call Tony Stark and gave his phone number. And there's an actual phone number there, which I'm going to call right now. And I'm going to play for you what happens. It's pretty cool. Here we go. Is Iron Man. However, due to some big blonde jerk, I no longer use this number. But hey, nice try anyway. For all things Tony Stark, please visit www.tonystarkironman.com and uh, try and stay safe out there, yeah? I'm busy enough as it is. 
See, that's pretty cool. So you have that little tie. And I always like those little things that you do, little asides. But yeah, so the hammer says call Tony Stark, which Adam did. Tony shows up here. He pretty much shakes his fist at the heavens. Damn you, Thor. Damn you. Thor sees this, you know, as I said, he has Sith looking and go, and he's giggling. He thinks it's funny. But yeah, so all of this going on, you have the hammer there and Broxton. So what's going to happen? Well, Tony's trying to figure it out while Adam is just looking at it. Adam's like been over and Adam is an older fella, an older guy. He's got some overalls tatted up. He's, you know, and so he's looking at it and. Yep, Tony, everybody step away, you know, I will try to get rid of the hammer, but you know, nobody can pick it up. I've tried and it's ridiculous that I can't pick it up because, you know, I'm me, but we'll figure this out. And like I said, Adam's just sitting there and Tony's like, no, 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 don't touch that. It's not yours there, Mr. Aziz. And then Adam picks it up, picks it up, gets a, you know, Thor like Asgardian uniform around him. And it's like, what the hell? Uh, and that is the end. That is the cliffhanger. And it's pretty darn cool. It is. I like this. I like this as a, a side cooldown after the cra- I mean, you can't get that much crazier than Thor being the herald of Galactus, taking the power cosmic, killing Galactus, end up with the Black Winter, sending him all these things going on. It's pretty much balls to the wall to then have this cooldown that has a lot of humor to it it has some fun it has i like the art it's different from nick klein i love nick klein's art on this book but having this be this two issue aside deal which i think is setting up the donald blake stuff you end up having a different art style by aaron cooter which i do like as well and it it, it puts it apart so i think that's a pretty cool deal but yeah i think it's awesome and i did even mention while adam was looking at the hammer you end up having tony's number kind of erase from there and then it says pick it up on it which that's why you end up having aziz pick it up and so yeah it's cool i i'm gonna give it an 8.5 i could even go up i could even go to a nine i like this so much i actually didn't each time i read it i liked it a little more and it is one of those things that if you haven't been reading the Thor book and just want an issue to see what it's like see you know it's it's different you know you missed out on the Galactus stuff and all which hopefully if you read this you'd want to go back and read anyway but it's kind of like a a one two shot here because it's a two issue deal that you can kind of look to see how Donny Cates is getting the voice of Thor and all that which that's what I was waiting for so I am I'm going to go positive up to a nine but that's the end of the podcast thanks everybody for listening I hope you enjoyed it I have mentioned a bunch of times, but I will mention it again that on Tuesday, the 22nd, we will have the next episode, episode 218, which will be an X-Men episode with X-Force number 12, Excalibur number 12, Giant Size X-Men Storm number one, and X-Men number 12 as we get to Wednesday, the new era. All the books that come out on Wednesday, we'll be talking about almost every one of them in either the Wednesday night show or the X-Men show that comes later on in the week. And why I need to get these X-Men books caught up with is we're starting Ten of Swords. Ten of Swords begins, and we'll be talking about that when the X-Men episode does come out. I will try to set a solid date for that to come out with the shift of the podcast going to Wednesday. I'm thinking either Saturday or Sunday being the X-Men show. So 
we'll, we'll get that down. I promise. I, I end up saying all the time, and then things happen with all the stuff on our Patreon, our DC stuff. I, I tend to get overwhelmed with things, but I try to get it out. So this episode 218 will come out on Tuesday, the 22nd. So if you're into the X-Men stuff, look for that. But I hope that you enjoyed this. I hope that maybe you would think of supporting us over at our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science for all of this stuff and get plenty more Marvel and other comic book podcasts, a ton of them. But thanks, everyone. And I'll talk to you soon.